friends and welcome back to the Girl on Fire podcast. My name is Priya, I'm a chartered accountant and analyst and the creator of Paper Money Co. I'm also a fierce financial feminist and the host of this podcast. I believe that a woman who is in control of her money is in control of her life. And that's why this week's episode is all about getting what you deserve and being paid what you're worth. Now, to be clear, in this episode, we're talking about maximizing your current source of income by asking for a raise. Negotiating your salary for a new job is a whole other thing, and we'll cover that in future episodes. Now, I'm a firm believer that every woman on this planet deserves to get paid what she's worth. But the sad truth is that for a lot of us, even in Western countries like Australia and the US, that just isn't the case. We know the gender pay gap exists. We already get paid less than men for the same work. And what makes it even worse is that according to research, women ask for a raise just as much as men do. About 37% of men ask for a raise compared to 36% of women. But 82% of the men who ask for a raise get one, while only 74% of women get a raise. Now, the good thing is that there was always this perception that women don't get raises because we don't ask. But this research proves that that isn't the case. We ask just as much as men do, but we get told no a whole lot more. Not only that, but there's also some research that suggests that the reason we're less successful when asking for a raise is because women are less assertive. And to me, that sounds like they're telling us that we're doormats and we allow people to take advantage of us. So not only are we being paid less than what we're worth because of social issues like the gender pay gap, but we have a harder time asking for what we deserve. But let's not ignore the elephant in the room here. That isn't the whole truth. Because there's also been research that suggests women are more likely to accept working for lower pay because that's the way rich white men built the world. And because of that, employers are happy to keep underpaying their female staff. I'll leave some interesting articles about this stuff linked in the show notes. The point is that, at least for women, the idea of ask and ye shall receive is BS. And that's something that's really important to me, so that's what I want to dedicate this episode to. Because asking for a raise can be daunting but I don't want any of you girls on fire to go through life without fighting for yourself. People are always going to try to tell you who you are and what you're worth, but you are your best advocate and we need to stand up for ourselves and tell people what we're worth, right? So let me share a little story. I've mentioned in previous episodes, I think in episode six, that I kind of got trapped in a really toxic and hostile work environment. Now, that job was also one where I was being paid about $20,000 below what I was worth. And I'm basing that on my skills and experience, my achievements, the type of work I was doing, and the responsibilities I had at work. So I was in that particular role for about five years. And during that time, I had asked for a promotion maybe three or four times. Now, I'll get into a lot more detail on how to have that conversation a bit later in this episode, but for now, what you need to know is this. I went in there fully prepared for the conversation. I had examples of what I had achieved in my role and the impact my achievements had on the company. 
I had proof that I would be fully capable of the new responsibilities I would have if I were promoted. And I had proof that I was being underpaid in the role I was currently in. So even if they didn't give me the promotion I had earned, I was prepared to fight for being paid what I was worth in my current role. So I had that conversation about three or four times over the course of five years. And every time I had even more examples and even more proof. I had more experience, more achievements under my belt. And with each achievement, I was making a bigger and bigger impact on the company. But here's what you have to understand about that job. That was a job where I faced a lot of workplace bullying. And it wasn't just me, it was my colleagues as well. And I'm talking about things like being yelled at like a child in front of others, having our managers throw us under the bus to make themselves look good, working under horrific conditions and being told to shut up when we complained that basic needs like the chance to go to the bathroom weren't being met. And another issue I faced was that my manager, the person who was in charge of whether I got promoted or got a raise, constantly took credit for my work. And I mean constantly. It soon became very obvious to me that the reason I kept getting denied a promotion wasn't because I wasn't qualified or capable. I was absolutely capable. And I had proven that time and time again. Not only that, but I eventually became really overqualified for the job I was in, which also meant that I was super underpaid. Now, I kept getting denied for stupid reasons that weren't true and didn't make sense. And none of them were based on my abilities or my achievements. They told me they didn't think I could handle it or that my heart condition would make me worry too much or that I'd get too anxious or have to work longer hours. That in itself is a whole other conversation and rant I can get into. Nobody gets to decide what my limitations are. So I was constantly being denied both a promotion and a raise in my existing role. Now, why am I sharing this story with you? I'm telling you this because I know from experience what steps you need to take to ask for what you deserve, because I've done it multiple times and with multiple employers. But the bottom line is this. You don't get to make the final decision. Someone else does. And that person may genuinely care about your career and see your potential. But that person could also be a bully who wants to keep you underfoot working hard so that they can claim credit for your work. But as you'll see later in this episode, no is not forever. Just because someone tells you no doesn't mean they know best. I need you to understand that. I need you to remember it. Nobody gets to tell you what you're worth or what you deserve. Only you get to decide that. And it's time that we as women get a friend to hold our handbags and we show people like my old manager just how wrong they are. Okay, so I'm going to be using the words raise or promotion interchangeably throughout this episode because a promotion should come with a raise anyway. But the most important thing to remember when asking for a raise is that you need to be fully prepared. Don't go to your boss asking for a raise without a plan and without proof or examples. You need to create an argument for why you deserve a raise and really state your case. Not only does that infinitely improve your chances, but it will also highlight toxic situations like the one I was in. When you make sure they have no leg to stand on in telling you no, you'll be able to see as clear as day what their motives really are. 
you need to convince someone to give you more money. And companies are often stingy. Any extra money they give you is less profit in the bank. So this isn't just a, by the way, I think you should pay me more comment you're going to make around the coffee machine. You have to go in there and really prove how much you're worth and why you're worth it. Now, how do you do that? The first step is that you need to prove that your achievements and hard work in your current role are deserving of a raise. Now, this is something I want you to do right now. If you're listening to this episode at work, I want you to do this first step right now, even if you're not planning on asking for a raise anytime soon. Create a folder on your computer called praise or something like that. Whenever you get an email from someone praising you for your work or your skills, I want you to save it in that folder. If you have a conversation with someone and they praise you for your work, I want you to open up a Word document, note down the date, the time, who said it, and what they said. You need to keep a record of all this praise and positive feedback you're getting for your work. This is solid proof coming from other people that you're good at your job and that you're achieving something great. It's not enough just to try to remember it because human brains aren't very good at remembering, so write it down. Think of this folder as the Amazon reviews for your work and your abilities. So when you do eventually have the conversation with your boss about a raise or a promotion, you can clearly point out all these instances where you did great work. This is how you're going to prove to them that you've earned what you're asking for. You're building a case full of evidence to show them how valuable you are. That's super important, so I need you to remember that. This is how you're going to prove that you've earned what you're asking for. And this praise folder is something I want you to do from now until the end of your working years. Do this for every single job you have. People will forget or try to ignore how amazing you are, so it's your job to remind them. So that's the first thing, have that praise folder and keep adding to it. Now, the next thing to consider when building a case for your awesomeness is your performance appraisal. If your employer doesn't have a formal performance appraisal system, then don't worry, we'll get to that in a second. But if you do have a formal process, then part of that process would involve your boss or your direct supervisor giving you feedback. If they're doing it right, they should be telling you what things you're doing well and where you can improve. Those things you're doing well, add that to your praise folder. Hopefully they're giving you a written performance appraisal, but if it's not written down, then just create the Word document like we talked about before and add it in yourself. And try to use their own words if you can. Now, what do you do if you have some constructive criticism or development points in your performance appraisal? For starters, don't get discouraged. The most important thing with those development points is to show your boss that you're actively trying to improve in these areas and working on it. So, for example, if your boss says that an area for you to improve would be to speak up more in meetings, then that's what you need to start doing. You don't have to turn things around overnight, but you have to show them that you're taking their feedback on board and committed to growing your career. And again, record solid examples of these things. If it's not something that's in writing, then write it down yourself on the day it happens. If your employer doesn't have a formal process for performance appraisals, then that's okay. You just need to take the initiative to ask your boss or your direct supervisor for feedback on your work. 
Now, I'm just going to go back to my story here for a second. I had these performance appraisals and I got some constructive criticism and I focused on improving those things. So when I was having those conversations where I'm stating my case for promotion, I would bring it up. I said things like, I understand that this new position would require me to do more presentations to senior management. That's something that I struggled with early on in my career, but I've been focusing on improving it. You can see this in the way that I presented X, Y, and Z to the directors. And I did that with any feedback they had. The problem I was facing that my boss had no intention of letting me progress. So after a while, I could see them clutching at straws and coming up with BS excuses to deny me what I had rightfully earned. You won't be able to handle the stress. You'll have to work longer hours. You won't like that new role. There's a new CFO and he doesn't know who you are. It was always one excuse after another. But for my part, I can confidently say, that I had a good counter-argument for every legitimate excuse they had. And I had those arguments because I actively asked how I could improve. That's something I did on every piece of work I submitted. I didn't wait for performance appraisals. I asked every single time, and I would take it on and learn from it. Now, another thing you can do to prove you've earned your raise or promotion is to ask for a reference. We ask for references when looking for a new job, so it should be no different here. You want to make sure you're asking someone with a bit of influence or in a higher position at the company you currently work for. A previous job or a referee from some other part of your life won't work here. It has to be someone else that works at the same company. If you have someone you trust, just approach them, let them know you're not leaving the company, you're just asking for a promotion or a raise and politely ask if they'd be willing to be a reference for you, either for a certain piece of work or just in general. It would be great, though, if they have specific examples to call out. This will prove that other people in the company value you and think you deserve more. It's a way of getting someone with more influence to plead your case for you. Let's take a quick break to talk about my amazing sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my patrons. Their support allows me to create really awesome podcasts every week. My patrons get amazing benefits for supporting this show, like branded merch, my investment and fire calculator spreadsheet, digital goodies, and a chance to chat with me one-on-one. If you'd like to show your support by becoming a patron, just click the link in the show notes. Okay, so moving on to the next thing you need to do when making your case for a promotion or a raise. At this point, you've got enough evidence to show your boss that you're a hard worker and that you've achieved great things in your role. You've shown them how valuable you are in terms of your achievement and the impact you make. Now it's time to show them how valuable you are in the market. To be clear, I'm talking about your salary here. You need to show your boss that someone like you in a role like the one you're in gets a certain amount of money out in the market. So, for example, when I got shot down for a promotion, I at least asked for a raise. And to make my case and prove what I was worth, I went online and researched similar jobs in similar industries in Sydney, which is where I live. So I found job listings for other finance positions which had a similar job description to the job I was currently in. 
save those in a Google Drive or on your computer. When you go to have the conversation with your boss, print them off and highlight the salary for those roles. Show them what your market value as an employee is. Not only that, but highlight other benefits as well. Even if your employer says no to a salary bump, you can also negotiate other benefits as well. And that's things like extra time off, remote working capabilities, or flexible work hours. You know, at first when I started doing this, it was really depressing. It became so clear to me that I was being paid well below market for what I was worth. My salary was about $20,000 below what other people in Sydney in the same type of job were making. And that really pissed me off. I worked my booty off in that job. I kept getting denied the promotion I knew I had more than earned. And to top it off, I was being underpaid. So having that proof of what other companies would pay you if you were to leave and work for them is a fantastic way to prove what you're worth to your boss. Now, just a word of caution here. When you're doing this kind of research on salaries, you want to make sure you're doing it at the right time. Do this a few weeks before you plan to ask for a raise. Don't do this two years in advance. Salaries should have gone up by then thanks to inflation. And be mindful of doing this during hard times when there's a lot of unemployment. Because the job market becomes so competitive with a lot of people looking for work, employers can offer lower salaries. And that's because there's a high supply of applicants and limited demand for employees. So they might be offering lower salaries as a way of giving themselves a discount because they hold all the bargaining power. You don't want to use those salaries as a benchmark because you'll end up asking for less than what you're truly worth. So after doing all that research, you should know what market value for a job like yours in your geographic area goes for. One thing to note here, most employers advertise jobs with a range, for example, $70,000 to $75,000. And they'll often tell you that it's based on experience. But the truth is that most of the time it's because they're building in room to negotiate. They'll likely offer you $70,000, but they'll go as high as $75,000 if you're able to negotiate. Now, I've also heard, and I don't remember where I heard this, so take it with a grain of salt, that the range they advertise is so that they can offer women the lower end and offer men the higher end. I don't know how true that is, but there it is. By the way, friends, if you can hear like a little low rumbling, that's the rain, and I can't control it, I'm sorry. Now, another thing to consider when researching salaries is this. How much do you want? Before you sit down with your boss, you need to know what your desired salary is, not just what you're worth in the market. And that's going to depend on your personal circumstances and your goals, but it still needs to be realistic. If market value for your job is $60,000, don't ask for six figures, you're not going to get it. Okay, so now you have all this evidence to prove how great you are at your job and how you've earned a promotion or a raise. And you also have proof of what you're worth in terms of salary and benefits out in the market. The next really important thing you need to consider is your backup plan. What are you going to do if your boss says no? Are you going to stay in your current job and try to push yourself harder? Are you going to stay in your current job while looking for something else? 
Or are you just going to hand in your notice at the end of that conversation and walk away? There's no right answer here. This is something you'll need to figure out for yourself and you'll need to consider your overall financial health. For example, do you have a fully funded emergency fund? Can you even afford to walk away? Are you happy to continue trying to get that promotion or are these people just jerking you around? So for me, after asking twice and getting shot down twice, I knew they were just screwing me around. The first time I asked, they gave me legitimate improvement points. I took those on and I nailed it. The second time I asked, they started giving me those BS excuses I talked about before. And my backup plan was to stay in that role while looking for another job. That's when I got the opportunity to go on secondment to Germany. Now, that was an opportunity that didn't come through my manager. It was a company-wide thing. I applied for it, my application was endorsed by the CFO, and my manager actually had no say in whether or not I would be accepted. But they did try to stop me. They also delayed my start in that new role for three months, but ultimately they had to let me go because it wasn't within their control. And before we left for Germany, I was really miserable. I knew I was worth more monetarily, and I knew, absolutely knew, that I had earned a promotion. So my plan was that when I got back, I would have this whole new level of experience to add to my achievements. All the stuff I was going to do and achieve while on secondment would be incredible. There was no way they could say I hadn't earned a promotion. So when I returned to Australia, I made my case again, this time with even more examples of how amazing I was. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I'm amazing. You're amazing. We're not here to be humble. Girls on fire stand up for themselves and what they believe in. We're unstoppable, remember? I also had a glowing performance appraisal from my manager in Germany to go along with all the examples and achievements that I had. And once again, I was shot down. Now the argument was, oh, but you just got back. I was essentially told that my time building the future of the company was meaningless. They treated me like I had just abandoned the company for 15 months and came back in shame. Now, if you remember from episode 6 when we were talking about emergency funds, I mentioned that I was holding on to job and income security super tightly because I was the sole source of income. But at this point in my life, I was done. Not only had I put up with a narcissistic bully for years, my husband and I had uprooted our entire lives given up our home and moved to the other side of the world. Then we did it all over again when we moved back to Australia, all while adding more achievements to my list and making an even bigger impact on the company. But returning to my role in Australia was torture. I was back to being bullied, overworked, underpaid, unappreciated. My health started to suffer again. My mental health was suffering. I was done, like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle level done. That's when my backup plan kicked in. If they wouldn't give me what I had earned and what I deserved, then I would go and find it for myself. And that's what I did, so it's super important to have a contingency plan. Not all bosses are going to be as outrageously horrible as mine, but you still need a plan in case they say no. 
Okay, we're almost done with our planning here, friends. There's just one more thing you need to consider before you sit down with your boss. This whole process is about removing opportunities for your boss to say no, right? That's why you spend so much time collecting evidence of how amazing you are and researching similar jobs and collecting evidence of what you're truly worth. The last thing you want is for your boss to say, yeah, I agree, you deserve it, but we just don't have the budget. Yeah, companies say that as well. It's not just all of us who are on budgets. They are too. So how do you avoid a situation like that? You need to understand that there's a right time to ask for a raise. And the right time is when they're least likely to say no. So for example, you don't want to do this when it's a really busy time. When people are busy, they're stressed and tired and they don't have time for you. They're more likely to say no. You also want to make sure the economy isn't in recession and that the company is financially stable before asking. A company that can't pay its bills isn't going to give you a raise. They're also less likely to give you a raise if the economy isn't doing so well. If people around the country are out of work, that means they're not spending as much money. And that means that businesses aren't making as much profit. So if they have less profit, they're not going to give you a raise. You lose your bargaining power in situations like that. A good time to ask for a raise is when a company is financially stable, the economy is doing well, and your boss isn't overworked and seems to be in a good mood. An even better time is when all of that is true, but also after you've just delivered a piece of work that really impressed them. Okay, so now that all the planning is done, it's time to do this thing and ask your boss for a raise. So the first thing you need to do is let your boss know that it's coming. Just have a friendly chat with them and say something like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about my achievements at this company and my salary. Do you have time to talk about it this week? Your boss is more likely to say no if you blindside them. So by asking when they have time for the conversation, you're not only being proactive about setting the meeting, you're also giving them a heads up that it's coming. So after you set the meeting and block a time in their calendar comes a time you've been preparing for. It's time to actually sit down and make your case. Start by letting your boss know how much you've learned from your current role. Then it's time to pull out all those achievements you were collecting. Remind your boss of what you've achieved, but also what those achievements resulted in. Any way that you can show your boss that you were able to save the company time or money is a bonus. Highlight what problems you've solved and how you've created more efficient processes. One thing to note here, it's important to show your boss all your technical achievements, but you also need to highlight your soft skills. Show them your project management skills, presentation skills, time management skills, communication skills. This is a time to brag. Don't hold back here. You have all the evidence of what you've accomplished. You need to remind your boss of what that is. Pull out those emails you've been collecting in your praise folder and read from them. The key here is to leave any emotion at the door and only speak using the facts and statistics of what you've done. And believe me, I know that for a lot of women, this is a lot easier said than done, especially when you're in a terrible situation like I was. How was I supposed to take emotion out of it when facing my bully? But it's super important that you speak with confidence. 
because otherwise it shows them that you're not serious. It shows them that you don't even have confidence in yourself. It's teaching them that it's okay to undervalue you and it absolutely isn't. So sit up straight, don't slouch and keep eye contact when you're talking with them. Don't look down, don't look up, don't look around the room, look at them. And I know that can be intimidating, especially when someone has an intense gaze. But here's a little trick I've learned. Don't look them directly in the eyes. Look between the eyes, you know, where the monobrow would be. People can't tell the difference, and that way you don't psych yourself out. Another thing to keep in mind here is the language that you use to describe and highlight all your achievements. Now, this is super important, so pay attention. Be bold with your statements, okay? Don't hedge. What do I mean by that? So let's say Sophie goes to ask her boss for a raise and she's got her salary research, she's got her achievements. And she says, I think I did a good job on that presentation and it probably saved the company a bit of money. Or something like, I kind of revolutionized that process and I don't think anyone else would have been able to make it so efficient. Now, look at the types of words Sophie's using. I think, or I don't think, probably, a bit, kind of. She doesn't sound very confident about the message she's trying to deliver. She's hedging her statements. She doesn't sound sure of what she's saying. Saying it probably saved the company a bit of money isn't a confident statement. Did you save the company money or not? And how much is a bit? Now, according to research, this is something that women do more than men because society teaches boys to brag and girls to be humble. That's not going to fly here. You need to stand up for yourself. Do not shy away from this challenge because I know you can do it. Now, let's say Sophie listens to Girl on Fire and then tries again. What will that conversation look like? She'll say something like, I nailed that presentation and it saved the company $10,000 in damaged products. Or, I revolutionized that process and improved efficiency by 30%. And then she's going to whip out evidence from her praise folder and show the proof of those statistics. Do you see the difference? Not only is she being very clear about the impact her work has had, she sounds super confident. She sounds like she's serious. She knows what she's worth. She knows that she's earned what she's asking for. So once you've gone through your achievements and shown your boss that you're committed to working on your development points, the conversation should naturally turn into, so how much are you asking for? Now, I want to make this super clear. Do not give your boss a fixed number, okay? Give them a range and make sure the range is higher than what you actually want. Not ridiculously higher because you still need to show them your salary research to support what you're asking for, but make it higher. Now, here's why that's important. Your boss is going to try to negotiate you down and get you to accept something lower. You need to expect that. That's why you're planning ahead and figuring out an acceptable range. That way, even when they negotiate you down, you can accept and still get what you want. And you're also not selling yourself short. So, for example, let's say you're asking for $100,000. That's what you're worth and that's the income that you want. What you tell your boss, however, is that you're looking for $100,000 to $110,000. 
and you need to have your salary research to support this as well. Your boss might just flat out say no, and there's nothing you can do about that. You made your case, but you don't get to make the final decision. In that case, that's when your contingency plan comes into play. It's up to you to decide whether you want to stay and try again, or maybe you want to look for another job that will pay you what you're worth. But if they don't say no, there are three possible outcomes here. Either they agree to the top end of your range and give you $110,000, huge win for you. To be honest, that's probably rare, or it indicates that you were underpricing yourself when you set that range. Option two is that they offer you something within the range, for example, $105,000, in which case you win again. Not only did you get a raise, but you got one that's $5,000 above what you wanted. And the third option is that they agree to the lower end of your range, which is still a win for you because you get exactly what you wanted. Now, this was just an example, but do you see how giving a range above what you wanted worked in your favor? Even if your boss gives you the lowest end of the range, you still win. Now, after the meeting, remember to email your boss to thank them for their time and just summarize everything you spoke about. List out those achievements and add those items from your praise folder as attachments. Go over the salary range again and attach your salary research documents as well. Make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. But for now, I want to take a step back and talk about what to do if your boss says no. Firstly, and I know this is easier said than done, try not to take it personally. Your boss might be a horrible person like mine was. If they say no, ask them why. What can you do to improve so that it's easier for them to say yes next time? Now, just be careful here. In my experience, my boss abused my work ethic and took advantage of me. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard, but you do need to look out for yourself. But if your boss says no, this is where you turn to your backup plan. Even if you decide to leave your current job, ask what you need to improve. It's something you can work on while looking for another job, which means you'll also get to use it when you're interviewing for other roles. What you do at this point, like I said before, is up to you and your circumstances. But it's important that your backup plan is something you can stick to, because otherwise people are going to walk all over you. So let me finish off my riveting story before wrapping up this episode. So here you have me stuck in a job that I'm way overqualified for. I'm super unhappy. I'm very underpaid. I've asked for a promotion and a raise many times, and I've gotten rejected for stupid reasons every single time. Now, if you remember only one thing from this episode, let it be this. No one gets to tell you what you're worth. You need to set them straight because what you allow is what will continue. By undervaluing yourself, you're teaching people that it's okay for them to do that too. And it's a lesson I learned in a very difficult way. If they won't recognize you and give you the promotion and raise that you deserve, then you go out and get it for yourself. I'm not a fan of the quote, bloom where you're planted. You're not a damn tree. If you're unable to bloom where you are, then move. That's exactly what I did. I started a new job in February with the same company, but I got the promotion I wanted and a nice bump in salary. And this time, I didn't ask for it. 
I saw the job listing and I applied for it. I went out there and got it for myself. And let me tell you something, that was super empowering. Not only did I leave a toxic environment with a tyrannical bully, but I proved to myself that I wouldn't take no for an answer. I was no longer going to allow people to tell me what I was worth. And that's all I have for you girls on fire today. My challenge for you this week is to create that praise folder and start collecting proof of just how amazing you are. If you've asked for a raise before, then I'd love to hear about your experience. You can head to papermoneyco.com for a transcript of this episode and leave a comment there. Or you can also email me at priya at papermoneyco.com. I love hearing from my girls on fire, so don't be shy. I promise I don't bite. On next week's episode, we're talking about how to use a credit card without going into debt and how to use it responsibly. I've used a credit card for every single purchase for almost seven years at this point, and I've never, not once, carried a single cent of debt. And in next week's episode, I'm going to show you how. It's going to be super interesting, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. I'd love it if you would please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It's a small effort on your part that really helps me out. I don't want you to miss any future episodes, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, then please share it with someone who you think would enjoy it too. As always, a massive thank you to my patrons for supporting this show. Their support makes it possible for me to create and share this content and grow this podcast. If you want to support the Girl on Fire podcast, head to Patreon and become a patron. All the links are in the show notes. My patrons get amazing benefits for supporting this show, like branded merch, my investment and fire calculator spreadsheet, digital goodies, and a chance to chat with me one-on-one. There are a number of tiers you can join or you can pledge a custom amount that suits you. Thanks for listening and I'll chat to you in the next one. Bye.